This is our fifth session on Colossians 3.18-21, and we turn in this session to husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not become embittered toward them. Father, as we focus on what men need to become in order to be the kind of husbands you call us to be, I pray that you would put it in the hearts of our wives to pray for us in this regard and that you'd put it into our hearts now the power, the humility, the wisdom, the grace, the attentiveness to love and not to become embittered toward our wives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's this positive statement that's massive. That's one of the greatest words in all the Bible, right? Love them. Love them. And then there's this negative. Not become embittered. Just a glance at what love involves from the most famous chapter. Love, husbands, is patience. Love, husbands, is kind. Husbands, love does not envy. Husbands, love doesn't boast or brag. Husbands, love is not arrogant, puffed up. Husbands, love is not rude. It doesn't offend against good uh, proprieties. It doesn't, doesn't do things that the wife finds offensive. It does not insist on its own way. To be a leader doesn't mean you have to ignore the desires of others. In fact, We are to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others, because that's the mind of Christ, according to Philippians 2. Don't construe competent, godly leadership as being bossy, controlling, demanding, domineering. It doesn't imply any of that. It does imply leadership, but it doesn't imply that you never pay attention to the longings and the desires and the needs of the one you lead and love. It isn't easily irritated. Oh, my goodness. God help us, right? How easy it is to get irritated when you live with somebody for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It isn't resentful. Then keep an account of wrongs. Love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, husbands, believes all things, husbands, hopes all things, husbands, doesn't become jaundiced toward her. So that's a glimpse of the glorious reality of love that Paul says we are to feel and live, act toward our wives. What about this negative, not embittered, just a clarifying use of the word in Ephesians 4.31, 
let all bitterness and wrath. So the uniting of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Let you know that bitterness is the kind of thing that is like wrath. And I think the the unique thing about the word bitter is bitter is what builds up over time through many either large or small annoyances or offenses, a a habit that the wife has of putting you down, a habit she has of calling your, your decisions into question, a habit that she has of giving no thanks for what you try to do right. All kinds of things can be stored up decade after decade until the soul is not making any decisions to be mean-spirited or spiteful anymore. It just does it, right? An embittered soul toward a wife is a settled annoyance that almost always is listening for the worst in everything because it has seen bad in many things and has formed the habit of hearing the worst. and reflexively just speaks cruelly or mean-spiritedly or dismissively. So, do this, don't do this. Now, the big question then is, how? How? Let's take four steps from Colossians to see how a husband is to pursue love to his wife while putting to death the old bitterness or preventing it from rising. Let's start with with hope. And I start there because that's where Paul started in this letter. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and of the love, the love that you have for all the saints. So, If you have, as a Christian, love for all the saints, how much more should this love abound for a wife? Love that you have for your wife because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So husbands, dwell on the hope laid up for us in heaven. Life is very short. It's a vapor. God has called us to stay married to this woman until we're dead or she's dead. That's what we're going to do, right? We're going to do this. Divorce is not an option. We're going to stay married, and we're going to stay married because we have hope. In heaven, it lasts millions and millions of years with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You don't need heaven on earth in your marriage. You can have hope, and hope overflows with love. Yes, it does. So that's the first step, is hope. The second step is count yourself risen with Christ and dead with Christ and hidden with Christ in God, absolutely secure, and therefore more hope. If then you have been raised with Christ. So husbands, preach this to yourselves. You've been raised with Christ. Death is behind you. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, 
not on things that are on the earth, for you have died. There's the counterpart. You've died and you've been raised. Reckon yourself dead, husbands. Reckon yourself dead. You won't become embittered if you're a dead man towards sin. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And here's the stunning thing. When Christ, who is your life, is your life, appears, and he's coming, brothers, he's coming. Be faithful till he comes. Then you also will appear with him in glory. Right now, marriage may seem very inglorious to you. And you're doing your best, and you cannot see anything very glorious in it. But there's glory coming. And if you taste enough of it and hope abounds, some of that glory is going to flow into your life of marriage. And then the third step would be to realize that we are chosen, holy, and loved husbands. So put on kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bear with her. If she has, if you have a complaint against her, bear with her. Forgive her. Put on love over all these things. Love her. But you do it as God's chosen, God's set-apart ones, consecrated ones, God's loved ones. He chose you. He consecrated you. He loves you. Preach that to yourself, husbands, and then love her out of that. Be kind to her. Be humble toward her. Be meek towards her. Be patient with her. Bear with her. Forgive her because you are chosen, you are holy, and you are loved. That's step number three. Realize your glorious condition in relation to God's love. And then finally, uh, love her as Christ has loved you. Here's the comparison. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And you could say, as the Lord has loved you, or you could put other words in there, been faithful to you, been kind to you, been patient with you. Jesus has treated you far better than you have treated your wife. Let the way the Lord has loved and forgiven you govern the way you love and forgive your wife. You are Christ to her in this drama of marriage. So, husbands, positively love her. Negatively, don't become embittered toward her. Fix your eyes on hope. Fix your eyes on dying and rising with Christ and having your life hidden with him. Fix your eyes on being chosen and consecrated and loved by God and fix your eyes on the way Christ has forgiven you. Then love her and don't be embittered at her.